Christina Rossetti, a short biography. Born in 1830, the youngest child in an extraordinarily gifted family. Her father, the Italian poet and political exile Gabriel Rossetti, immigrated to England in 1824 and established a career as a Dante scholar and teacher of Italian in London. He married the half-English, half-Italian Francis Polidori in 1826, and they had four children in quick succession. Maria Francesca, Gabriel Charles Dante, famous under the name Dante Gabriel, but always called Gabriel by family members, William Michael, and Christina Georgina. In 1831, Gabriel Rossetti was appointed to the chair of Italian at the newly opened King's College. The children received their earliest education, and Maria and Christina, all of theirs, from their mother, who had been trained as a governess and was committed to cultivating intellectual excellence in her family. Until 1836, when the boys began attending day school, the four children were offered similar instruction by their mother. Thereafter, only Dante, Gabriel and William were formally instructed in classics, mathematics and sciences. Asked to describe her poetic influences, Rossetti speculated in a 26th of March 1884 letter to Edmund Gus, If any one thing schooled me in the direction of poetry, it was perhaps the delightful idle liberty to prowl all alone about my grandfather's cottage grounds some 30 miles from London. At this cottage at Homer Green, she fostered the attention to the minute in nature that marks her poetry. There she also observed the corruptibility and mortality that became keynotes in her work. Her reminiscences in Time Flies, a reading diary, include reflections on childhood adventures at the cottage, her patient attendance on a strawberry only to find it blighted before it has fully ripened, and her burial of a dead mouse and later observation of its decay. The visits to Homer Green ended in 1839 when her grandfather sold the house and moved to London. A great lover of nature, Rossetti nevertheless spent most of her life in the city. In 1845, Christina suffered a collapse in health. The breakdown has mystified biographers, some of whom have surmised that the physical symptoms were psychosomatic and rescued Rossetti from having to make a financial contribution to the family by working as a governess like her mother and sister. She was diagnosed as having a heart condition, but another doctor speculated that she was mentally ill, suffering from a kind of religious mania. Her biographer, Jan Marsh, conjectures that there may have been an attempt at paternal incest, the father's breakdown and the resultant changes in family fortunes leaving a needy patriarch in the daily care of his pubescent daughter, Christina's recurring bouts of depression, her lifelong sense of sinfulness, nightmarish poems about a crocodile devouring his kin, a poetic image of a clammy fin repulsively reaching out to her, and the recurring motif of an unnameable secret, Marsh suggests, could be indications of suppressed sexual trauma. Rossetti had bouts of serious illness throughout her life. William insists in his memoir that one cannot understand his sister unless one recognises that she was an almost constant and often a sadly smitten invalid. The morbidity that readers have so often noted in her poetry, William suggests, was due to Christina's ill health and the ever-present prospect of early death rather than any innate disposition. Later, in 1847... Dante Gabriel, William and Christina began a tradition of writing and racing to compose sonnets conforming to a set of line endings provided by the third. 
Christina, by all accounts, excelled at the exercise, composing sonnets in a matter of minutes. In 1848, she had a first taste of fame when, at Dante Gabriel's instigation, she submitted two of her poems, Death's Chill Between and Heart's Chill Between, to the prestigious literary periodical The Athenaeum. Their acceptance made her a nationally published poet at just 17 years old. During this period, Dante Gabriel was gathering around him the circle of young men who named themselves the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. Although he assumed that Christina would participate, she was never a member of this artistic and literary group. She even refused to have her work read aloud in her absence at its meetings, on the grounds that such display was unseemly. Nevertheless, her poetry has been described as Pre-Raphaelite in its rich and precise natural detail, its use of symbol, its poignancy, and its deliberate medievalism. Rossetti has often been depicted as shrinking from worldly concerns, but in fact she did engage in humanitarian work. In 1854, during the Crimean War, she volunteered to join Florence Nightingale's nurses, but was turned down. Her aunt, Eliza Bolidori, did join Nightingale in Scutari, and Rossetti temporarily took over some of Polidori's district visiting, providing assistance to the sick and poor of the parish. In early 1859, Rossetti began volunteering at the St. Mary Magdalene Penitentiary in Highgate, a charitable institution for the reclamation of fallen women. As an associate at Highgate, Rossetti was known as Sister Christina and wore a habit like black uniform with a veil. When she was on duty, she resided at the penitentiary, probably for a fortnight at a time. By the summer of 1859, Rossetti was devoting a good deal of time to her work at Highgate, and its influence can be seen in her poems about illicit love, betrayal and illegitimacy, such as Cousin Kate, The Iniquity of the Fathers Upon the Children, and From Sunset to Starrise. Though poems composed before the period of her work at Highgate, and Apple Gathering, The Convent Threshold, and Maud Clare, for instance, demonstrate her prior interest in the fallen woman. Goblin Market, with its theme of a fallen woman being saved by a sister, can also be seen as informed by Rossetti's experiences at the St Mary Magdalene Penitentiary. Her interest in this topic reflects the Victorian concern about prostitution as a social evil. Today, Goblin Market remains Rossetti's most discussed poem. Critics have dismissed her protest that she intended no allegorical meaning and have interpreted in various ways her fairy tale of two sisters' responses to the temptation of goblin fruit. Lizzie rejects the luscious fruit as evil, but Laura purchases it with a lock of her hair and indulges. Afterwards, she wastes away, pining for more fruit. The goblins refuse to allow Lizzie to purchase fruit to save her sister, try to persuade her to eat with them, then attempt to force the fruit into her mouth. Lizzie escapes and runs home to Laura, who is cured by tasting the juices smeared on her sister's face. The poem ends years later, with Laura telling the story to her sister's offspring. She concludes by saying, For there is no friend like a sister, in calm or stormy weather. To cheer one on the tedious way, to fetch one if one goes astray, to lift one if one totters down, to strengthen while one stands. The suggestions of the narrative runs in many directions, and it could be read as a straightforward moral allegory of temptation, indulgence, sacrifice, and redemption, and has also been interpreted as a specifically Christian allegory, with a reenactment of the temptation in the Garden of Eden and a Christ like offer of redemption through sacrifice. From 1870 to 1872, Rossetti fell dangerously ill, at times apparently near death, with a condition characterised by fever, exhaustion, heart palpitations, stifling sensations, occasional loss of consciousness, 
violent headaches, palsied hands, and swelling in the neck that made swallowing difficult. Her hair fell out, her skin became discoloured, her eyes began to protrude, and her voice changed. After some months, her doctors diagnosed a rare thyroid condition, more commonly known, of course, these days as Graves' disease. Although Rossetti recovered, the threat of a relapse always remained. Moreover, the crisis left her appearance permanently altered, and her heart weakened. In 1892, Rossetti was diagnosed with breast cancer and underwent a mastectomy that was performed in her own home. The cancer recurred the following year, and after months of acute suffering, she died on the 29th of December, 1894. Rossetti has attained fame as a poet and has earned high regard as a spiritual guide. Some had even speculated after Tennyson's death in 1892 that she would make a suitable successor to the laureateship. After her death, many articles appeared with personal reminiscences, expressing admiration of her saintliness and assessing her poetry and prose. The sole surviving sibling, William, made special efforts to document his sister's life and edit her work. In New Poems, hitherto unpublished or uncollected, he made available carefully edited and annotated texts of poems from periodicals and anthologies, and many unpublished ones, some written late in Rossetti's life, and others that she had written earlier but are not published, presumably because she deemed them either too personal or not up to the standard of her best work. De Profundis by Christina Rossetti Oh, why is heaven built so far? Oh, why is earth set so remote? I cannot reach the nearest star that hangs afloat. I would not care to reach the moon, one round monotonous of change. Yet even she repeats her tune beyond my range. I never watch the scattered fire of stars or sun's far trailing train, but all my heart has one desire, and all in vain, for I am bound with fleshly bands, joy, beauty, lie beyond my scope. I strain my heart, I stretch my hands, and catch at hope. <laughs>